I bring you God's grace and mercy and peace in his holy and majestic name. As we begin for today, let's do so with prayer. Heavenly Father, help us all to live in those promises that we are numbered with those saints that will have glory without end. We have received this, Lord, through your Son, Jesus Christ. Help us to carry these promises to a world in desperate need of the gospel. We pray this in your Son's most holy and precious name. Amen. Our sermon for today is focusing on Philippians chapter 2. It's that tagline that really is the big idea uh, that St. Paul calls us to as we look to the interests of others. I'd like to begin today with uh, recounting to you an old song. Old is relative. Uh, But an old earth song that gets at and gets us into our sermon very well today. It's by Mac Davis, and the song title is called, Oh Lord, It's Hard to Be Humble. (laughs) Now this song is not meant to be a a theological statement or even a confession of sin, uh, but it does speak an apt word into what St. Paul is getting at for today. The song goes like this. If you've never heard it, Google it after the service. (laughs) Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. I can't wait to look in the mirror because I get better looking each day. To know me is to love me. I must be a great kind of man. Oh, Lord, it's hard to be humble, uh, but I'm doing the best that I can. I hope no one in here suffers from an ego like this. But if you do, I invite you at this time to turn to your spouse, friend, or someone else in the pew uh, so we can all have a humility check. I tell you that to tell you this. There are two twin problems that emerge in the Holy Scriptures. One is this song or even God's people from time to time feel that we are puffed up with pride and say, Lord, look at me. It is hard to be humble. And the second problem, stalking just in the background, is the idea that we would look only to our own needs. It's like looking inwardly at ourself, our our own needs, our own concerns. It's all about me, myself, and I. So, For those twin problems, St. Paul comes and speaks a message for us today, which hopefully enlivens us as he says, look to the interests of others. Why? As he begins in Philippians chapter 2, because we are the people of God who are in Christ. Now that phrase, those two words, that's a technical definition that St. Paul uses throughout the entire New Testament. In Christ is code word, shorthand for saying the baptized people of God. Paul is the guy in Romans chapter 6 that says, if you are in Christ, you are baptized and connected to the death and resurrection of Jesus. In 1 Peter, we hear that if you are in Christ, you are forgiven of all of your sins by baptism. 
Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, if you are in Christ, he has given you a new wardrobe, a new robe to stand before Christ in righteousness. He says in the book of Titus, if you are in Christ and baptized, you are washed and forgiven of your sins. And when you are in Christ, you not only get Jesus, you get every other single person in this room. Some of you might be saying like me, well, pastor, that sounds great. At least the Jesus part. (laughs) I'll take the Jesus, and you can keep maybe everybody else in the room. But Paul says for today, that's not how this works. We get everybody's warts, everybody's bumps, everybody's bad habits, uh, little ticks and sins that are known publicly and privately. They are ours because of Christ as we care for one another. You know, St. Paul writes Philippians, uh, this little book of the Bible. It's only four chapters long. It's a very tiny book. You could read this book in 10 minutes. It'll be shorter than our sermon for today. It's only four chapters. And in this four-chapter book of the Bible, he writes it sitting in prison. He does this under house arrest in Rome. Uh, There's actually four books of the Bible he does like this. They're all short little pithy things. He writes Philippians for today while he's in prison. He writes uh, Philemon and Ephesians and Colossians as well. And in Philippians chapter 1, St. Paul says this, As I was under house arrest here, the imperial guard came and watched over me. Now, when Paul was converted to Christianity... I'm sure he thought and had moments just like everyone in this room where he was going to be used for great and grand and glorious things. Maybe, yes, even the Apostle Paul was puffed up with pride from time to time. When he was converted to Christianity, I bet Paul thought at least once in his life, God, you are going to use me to preach sermons that are going to convert the masses. Maybe Paul thought, one day I'm going to stand in the Colosseum not filled with blood, but filled with people. As I preach about Christ and our Savior, Paul had sins private and sins public. But where does Paul find himself today sitting in prison? Uh, But those words he uses are the imperial guards come and watch over him. I tell you that to tell you this. Those imperial guards we know uh, were the elite class of people who were deployed to watch over the high-value targets of the empire. This is the pool of people that the Roman Empire would poach later uh, for your statesmen and your senators. This is the future of the empire. And while Paul is probably sitting there wanting, wishing he was going to do more, God uses him to speak to those jailers (laughs) as they took their perhaps four-hour shifts. It begins and calls us to wonder who was actually imprisoned there as every four hours Paul got a new person to preach the gospel to. If Paul, in his two years of imprisonment, got a new person every four hours, he preached the gospel to the future of the empire to over 4,000 different people. It is no wonder that Christianity spread like wildfire in the early church. And the seemingly insignificant letter uh, that he writes and fires off to a group of Christians in Philippi would go on to still have impact today. My point is this. We don't know how God is using us today. The seemingly insignificant things that we do in our lives, when we wake up and we do the dishes and we watch our kids to make them functioning members of society, we go to our jobs and we come to church. We don't know how God is going to use that for the future. 
But we do know this. Those who are in Christ live their lives in their day-to-day ways. Paul found himself, and he preached to the jailers. That's what he did that day. Paul found himself in need, so he wrote to the Christians out in Philippi, and you today find yourself uh, with needs of the Christians around you. So what do we do? Uh, We do what Christ would have us to do today. Now, sometimes, my friends in Jesus, you know as well as I do that this is easier said than done. Why? Because those two twin stalking problems are there in the background where we either might get puffed up with pride or look only to our own needs. There are lots of examples we could linger on for today. Uh, But an example I think is helpful for our sermon and for many in our society uh, could be one illustration of uh, finances. And as you journey with me through this story, you'll see it impacts everyone. I still remember my very first job. I taught swimming lessons for about a decade. I made $4.25. The first paycheck I ever got after taxes was about 40 bucks. And I remember thinking to myself, I have never seen so much money in my life. All of the things that I thought I was going to do with this, but I do remember thinking in my head, God, well, this is great. If only I had just a little bit more. The next job I got was cutting grass. It was a racket because my dad paid for the gas. 10, 12 bucks a lawn as I clicked through. I doubled my income. Then I went off to university. I studied in a very affluent area, and I did some babysitting for $15 an hour. And then, and then I got married. And then I went down, and I studied to be a pastor. My wife, God bless her, supported me uh, for four long years. And she was a Lutheran teacher. The first year salary of a Lutheran teacher, at least in that place, I had never seen so much money in my life. I remember thinking, God, I don't even know what I would spend $5,000 more on. But I do remember this. God, while this is great, wouldn't it be nice to have just a little bit more. My friends in Jesus, money is never the problem. Money is a gift from God. It's always sin that is the problem. Because if you're anything like me, that need, that desire for just a little bit more, I would hope and pray is for pious, good Christian things. Uh, But often it was so I could update my wardrobe and look a little bit better. Or maybe looking inwardly at myself and I could feed my own addictions and buy myself McDonald's or Culver's. Sin is sneaky. It lurks and is crouching at our door. Maybe you are someone who can identify with this example or maybe you are someone that has a different example to yourself. Maybe you look to your marriage 
or your kids or the power and control that perhaps motivates some or at least is a temptation to others in this room. Christ comes and St. Paul comes and says this, all of God's people will struggle. That is a given. But the clear and consistent command is this, for those people who are in Christ, we look to the interests of others. This is what Jesus is about for today. When he comes and in the New Testament is, is talking about his authority that he has, he talks about looking to the interests of others. A Jesus who comes into this world and, and is someone who is without sin does not come and demand his power and privilege and authority just for himself. No, he has conversations with others. He has parabolic conversations with others. But he comes today, and what was told in parables 2,000 years ago is loudly proclaimed here. What is done in whispers is preached in the streets. <laughs> what was hidden in darkness is now shown in light that when Jesus comes, he doesn't come for his own status, his own power and authority. No, he comes to be beaten and stricken and smitten and afflicted. Jesus comes and ultimately he speaks the truth for you and for me as he looks to our very own interest. And what did that wind up getting him? It wound up getting him soldiers who would thrust a crown of thorns upon his head. It would get soldiers who would put him in a purple robe and stick a staff in his hand and mock him before others. But our Jesus is happy to do this for you and for me, for our interests, not for his own. He's happy to have a crown of thorns placed upon his head so that one day, you and me, we might wear that crown of everlasting life. Jesus is happy to have a purple robe placed upon him so that one day you and me will wear our baptismal gowns. Jesus is happy to have that scepter placed in his hand and mockingly derided so that today you and me might acclaim him as King and Lord. Jesus looks to the interests of others and invites us to do the same. St. Paul, Paul in Philippians chapter 1 as I close out the sermon for today, reminds us of this. St. Paul writes, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I live, I get to live in the promises of Christ and all of the interests that he has for me. And if I die, <laughs> then I get to go home and be with him forever. That's so often not what our world thinks today. So often our world might turn that phrase on its head and say something like this. For me, to live is finances. And to die is to lose it all. Uh, they might say, for me, to live is power and fame. And to die is to give it all up. Uh, for me to live is my happiness and my needs and for everyone to think how great I am, but death is the great equalizer and Jesus and Christ knows this. And they come invite us into a greater vision because those who are in Christ look broadly to the needs of others. Uh, the people who sin, 
the people who don't deserve second chances, Christ says them because they are the Christians and the family of God. So, O oh child of God, as I conclude this sermon for today, I invite you into this reflective moment. Who in your life needs you to care for them? Maybe they're here in this room. Maybe it's a friend or family member. Whoever it is, we do know this. You are in Christ to look for the interests of others. Uh, this stewardship series is supposed to broaden our understanding of what God calls us to. It's not just about finances. It's about our time, our talents, our treasures, holistically the interests of other people. Why? Uh, because of what our Savior Jesus has done for us. As we close out our sermon for today, let's do so with prayer. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that you have gathered us here. We ask your blessing on this word, that it might not just be something that stays here, but go forth from this place. Help us to look to the interests of others, even when it's hard and even when it's difficult. Knowing, Lord, we do this because of what Jesus has done for us. When we fail and when we falter, help us to run back to church where we are reminded that we are your holy people, loved and saved through Jesus. It's in his name that we pray this. Amen.